by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. It's entitled, if you want to follow along and you want to fill out the blanks on your bulletin, today's message is entitled, Deeper Still. Deeper still. I'm so excited, I need to slow down a little bit. Because that's where we're going today. We're going deeper still. And you know what God wants? He wants us to pursue Him back. Because you know He's been pursuing you your whole life. You know, He's always been pursuing you with His love. And He just wants us to pursue Him back. Turn to Acts 17. Right after the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four accounts of Jesus' life, and then we get to the book of Acts, and it's the account of the early church and how it got started. A lot of good things we can glean from there. Acts 17, we're going to read verses 27 and 28. This is the Apostle Paul speaking again, and he says, about God he says his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him what can you can you really find God it says though he be not far from any of us some of us are looking for a far off God way off into heaven somewhere but it says he be not far from any of us for in him we live move and exist King James says we have our being in him we live and move and have our being that's the way it's supposed to be your life is supposed to be hidden in Christ he's supposed to be in you that's the way he prayed and that's the what he made available to us through the cross now see I didn't understand that I grew up a young man and I knew there was a God I mean My goodness, you can look out at the stars at night and everybody knows there's a God. It's a fool that says in his heart there is no God. You have to really fool your own heart to believe there's no God. I knew there was a God. And some told me that I should want to please him. But I wanted to please myself more. And I thought I knew the answer. But come to find out, I didn't. I thought he was some far off God. I thought he was an old man in the sky. And I thought if I clocked into church once or twice a year, you know, and gave him an hour, I was doing him a big favor. I thought if I would do him a favor, he would give me the things I wanted. And my relationship was to God was just basically using him. I knew he was up there. I knew he had power. I thought if I gave him a, an inch, you know, he'd give me something back. And that's about what I gave him, an inch. But I would have said I'm a Christian. Most people here in America today, they will say I'm a Christian. But I didn't know him at all. I I didn't really have a relationship with him. 
Isaiah 29, 13, it says, The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips. They say in the right things, but their hearts are far from me. And God's not after your mouth. They worship, their worship of me is based merely on human rules that they have been taught. And see, that's... And that's the way we see a lot of churches today. They're, they're, just, they're going through the traditions of man, but there's not a real heart towards what's the most important, and that's a relationship with Jesus. Amen? Nobody ever taught me growing up that I was supposed to lead with my heart and not with my head. There's a lot of people today that are trying to mentally ascend to God. Well, let's see if your theology matches my theology. and I, I've studied this out. There's people that's been through seminary four times, got four PhDs in front of their name, but don't know God from Adam. They have no heart connection. It's all in their head. I would say, according to my message last week, they're missing the light. We must come to the end of self. I wrote this on your sheet if you want to fill it out. We must come to the end of self so we will seek God for who he is and not what he can do. Maybe you're in here today and that's, that's all you know. You're, you're, just, you're at that place and you need God's help. And that's okay. He'll give it. You you don't receive because you don't ask. You need to ask for what you need or whatever. But that shouldn't be your lead-in, if you know what I mean. Now, see, nothing brings me greater joy, especially as a pastor. And I believe that's why God gave me a pastor's heart, is to see people begin to get this principle. That to see people start out skeptical, watching, see if it... If, it, if this God thing matches up with what I believe, really, you know, if what you believe is the most important thing to you, then you're a God of your own life. If you're just trying to make, if you're trying to make this thing match up with what you believe, but you're going to go with what you believe, then you're the God of your own life. But I love when people begin to say, hey, God, I can't do this. And that's where I got to when I was 32 years old. Old, I finally got to the end of myself and I said, I need some help with this. I'm messing my life up. And something in me told me, I know where I can turn. And I turned to Jesus. And I found love. And, I, and it was in this church 20 something years ago. I found the love of my life. And I have determined to know Him more. Every day of my life. I want to go deeper still. I feel like I love him more than all of y'all. <laughs> but I want to go deeper still. And I see people coming up to the altar and worshiping. Like Brother Nicholas. And I see his heart. and He's a young believer. And he's got that fresh fire, you know. He's a very mature young believer, and I'll tell you. But he excites me to see somebody 
on fire for the Lord like him. He's just a flame of fire himself, reflecting the glory of God. And I see others of you begin to get the light, and it's coming alive, and you're finding your purpose and destiny. And I wanted to call somebody up today who's beginning to get it. He told me his testimony the other day, and I said, wow, God is working in his life. And God's working in your life, too. And then Wednesday night, I had this, like, this Bible thing on CD, you know, and I, I, I didn't have room for it in my office, and I don't have many CD players, so I thought I'd give it to somebody. And at their service, I said, who wants this Bible thing? And this guy jumped up, I do, and almost came running down the aisle to get the Bible CD, and I said, he's getting it. This guy's getting it, and I want you to listen to his awesome testimony, and I want you to give a round of applause for Mr. Jacob Bridges. How y'all doing? My name's Jake. I'm super nervous about this. This is way out of my comfort zone. So, uh, I grew up in church. was forced to go more so than anything. I didn't want to be there. My grandparents made me go. That's when I learned about God, who he is, who he was. Whether I wanted it or not, it didn't matter. I just had to be there. So uh, my grandparents are the ones that took me. They drug me in there, and, and I went. Well, as I got older, I got away from church. I got a car. And, uh, ooh, I'm nervous. <laughs> oh, so, uh, so I drifted away from God during this time. I went, went on my own way. I didn't need him, didn't want him. You know, I was addicted to drugs, alcohol pornography, which I was doing everything I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I was having a lot of fun. I didn't want to get away from it. I wanted to stay in it. I, I was enjoying it. Well, then I met my wife. And her and her family were these crazy Christian people. Um, you know, you'd say something to them, and it was, oh, praise God, praise Jesus. And I was like, what's wrong with these people? The church I came from, you sat in church, and you didn't say anything. Every now and then, you might hear some old person Amen. Amen. Maybe every once in a while. And, uh, and she was inviting me to church. And I finally went with her. And at her church, they had the loud music, the light show, just everything that, that I'd never experienced before. And I did not like it. I told her, like, I'm not going back to church this year. And, uh, and I don't think we went back to church for a couple years. No, about a year probably. And we had a kid. And I, I decided, like, you know, I need to put my kid in church. I don't want to go, but I need to give him the opportunity to hear about God. So we started coming here, and it was the same thing. The loud music, people hooting and hollering. Just, I just never never saw it and didn't like it. I told her, I was like, we're not going. Well, time went by, and I was like, we got to go to church. So we came back here and started going to church and started getting convicted for the way I was living. You know, I was still doing everything I wasn't supposed to be. I was just coming to church and uh, just to be here just for them. And, well, I started getting convicted for what I was doing. I knew what I was doing was wrong. Slowly but surely, God didn't stop me from doing what I was doing. He took my want to do that away because I wanted to do, do better for him. And uh, so I 
you know, I started kind of questioning, God, who are you? What are you? You know, I'm praying to you, but I feel like I'm just talking to myself in my head the whole time. I was like, I want to know who I'm talking to. And something just came over me, and it said, uh, if you want to know me, you've got to seek me. And as time went on, you know, I started thinking about, like, what does that mean? What does that mean? So I started telling people about God, you know, so-called trying to do good. Well, uh, I asked God one day, I was like, you know, are you ever going to show yourself to me? I was like, I want to know who you are. What? Who are you? And then I went to sleep one night and I had a dream. I walked in an old dope house and a guy came to me and said, you ready to meet him? And I said, yeah. So he took me to the back of the house, opened up the door, and uh, there stood just the whitest man. I'm not talking about white person. I'm talking about like a cloud white, just huge man just hovering over, looking at me, smiling. And I woke up in the middle of the night, sweat rolling off of me, you know, just scared, literally just just terrified. What The scared I have now doesn't compare to anything. I put my face in my pillow and didn't, didn't open my eyes again until the alarm clock went off. And I jumped up and got out of the house. I was ready to get my day started and forget about that. And uh, But it, it weighed on me hard. A few days went by. I told God, I was like, God, I guess... Uh, I guess that's what the fear of God is all about right there. I guess I better start trying to do right. So instead of trying to be a, a do-good Christian, I started trying to be a real Christian, spread his word, tell people about him. Now, I wasn't the best Christian, but I was the best Christian I knew how to be. And I went around telling people and built a personal relationship. Instead of it being a, a mental relationship, it became a loving relationship with, with a being, not just something that you hear about in church. And... Uh, you know, things started really to turn around in my life. Because my grandmother told me once, she said, if you want peace, if you want inner peace, you've got to know God. And I didn't know what knowing God was about until after that night. And for those of you that know me, know my grandpa is my best friend. Um, he's just the greatest guy in the world. Well, I got a call one day that he was going to the hospital. And I was like, man, that sucks. So I went up there as quick as I could. And I got there, and they said, He's had a brain aneurysm and a stroke. And it was bad. So they, they told us we're going to fly him to another hospital. They flew him out there, and uh, the doctor walked in. And, and if I'm lying, I'm dying right now. The doctor walked in and said, this man's going to die. Do you want me to do the surgery or not? And I was like, wow. That's not a good way to tell somebody that their family member is just going to die. They're like, well, go ahead and do the surgery. And they did, they did the surgery. And the doctor came in after we'd been, everybody had been praying and said, he survived, I don't know how, but he's probably not going to make it through the night. And uh, he made it through the night. And, uh, you know, we were praying. They told us he had 14 days to stay on life support. After that, they were going to have to either pull the plug or put a vent tube in. They said when they put the, the, uh, the trach in, excuse me, uh, that he'd be a vegetable for the rest of his life and never open his eyes. And, which was just devastating. I, this is a, a big guy, you know, a guy I thought would, would never die. Well, uh, I think it was day 12. He, uh, the doctors were like, look, y'all got to make the decision. And the decision was pulling the plug. And for those of you that have ever gone through that, it's not as simple as just pulling the plug out. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want, I didn't want to kill him. Um, so I, I prayed that night, asked God what to do. And uh, you know, 
some people in my family, they decided that it was time, not because they wanted to kill him and get rid of him, but because they knew that the chance was so great that he would lay in the bed with his eyes closed for the rest of his life, that it just was not worth it. And I'm not so sure, you know, I, I thought it myself because I know him. He told us that if he ever, there was ever that chance, go ahead and pull the plug. But I, I, in my heart, I just felt the time wasn't right. And uh, so I prayed to God that night, and I had a dream. So they wheeled him out of the hospital on, on a gurney. He was under a sheet. He was dead. And something started moving under the sheet. And one of them picked it up, and it was my grandpa who was alive. He was like, man, I got bit by a spider and couldn't wake up. And I was like, no. I was like, this is what happened to him. I told him what happened. And that part of the dream ended. And uh, we, uh, dreams are funny. Y- y'all know how they are. So then we were at his house back behind us. He's got a shed where we do all of our work. And just, you know, talk, cut up, just do guy stuff. And we were back there, and he was back to himself. Well, I went to the hospital that night, and I told my family what happened. And they were kind of like, man, that's crazy, but we know it could be real. So they put off pulling the plug till the next morning nine o'clock and at seven thirty my grandpa opened his eyes and off all to God. But uh, you know this story might seem like it's all building up to my grandpa, but it's it's, it's not. It's, I gave my life to God. I committed myself to him. I believed in him. I gave everything, all my problems to him and he answered them. Now at the end of church service, every every service, Pastor Guy asked us, is there anybody here that wants to give their life to God? And I thought that was just the weirdest thing. I'm like, dude, it is 12 o'clock. I'm ready to roll. Let us out of here. And he would do it every Sunday. And it started weighing on me. You know, I knew who God was, but I'd never truly given my, my heart to him. One day he asked, is there anybody here that wants to give their heart to God? And I raised my hand. And that was a hard thing to do because I don't, I don't get in front of people. I, I just don't like being the center of attention. Well, I raised my, my hand. We prayed together. That was the best decision of my life, was giving my heart to God. The biggest thing was overcoming my stubbornness, you know, the submission to him. And But once I did it, that's when my life really turned around. So if there's anybody here today that has not given their heart to God, if you do it today, I promise you, it'll be the best decision you've ever made. why it's so important that we give everybody an opportunity to come to Christ every service. Turn to Jeremiah 29. Very familiar scripture. Some of you could probably quote it and probably posted it on your Facebook site one time or two. But it says so much about who God is and who you are to him. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. And that just blows my mind that God thinks thoughts towards us as individuals. But I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you future and a hope. 
then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart when you begin to lead with your heart how many today could truly say that I'm searching for Jesus with my whole heart you don't have to raise your hand how many in today's society is it just those crazy happy people that are just Jesus folks you know the ones that's running around so excited all the time well who would want to be like that you know they have problems too but they don't seem to affect them you know they just go they're happy all the time what's wrong with these people What's the difference? Of, I don't want to be a Jesus freak. I want to be miserable. I want to be like everybody else. I mean, what are we thinking here? But so many today, they'll inch close enough to God to say, okay, God, give me that ticket to heaven, but they want to drag both feet back in the world. And they want to ride this fence. And they want the pleasures of that sin or whatever, whatever's pulling them, holding on to their pride they don't want to be happy <laughs> they don't want to go whole hog as we say here at the Passion Church they're holding on you know in Exodus when Moses had through God's power had led the people out of slavery in Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they come to Mount Sinai Moses went up and talked to God and God told Moses he says Moses on the third day, I'm going to come down and speak to the people. Sounds familiar to the third day, doesn't it? But on the third day, I'm going to come down and I'm going to speak to the people. But you want to know what the people said? In Exodus 20, 19, they said to Moses, Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. Do you want Moses to talk to you or do you want God to talk to you? Because see, that's the way a lot of people are today. They want some preacher behind the pulpit to, to be their go-between between God. Like an hour or two a week is going to be enough for, of your relationship with God and you're using an intermediator. Is that a word? That's one of those bill words. Using a mediator, I'm sorry. I'm just making up stuff. But that ain't the way God wants it to be. He, he died to make it personal. <laughs> and Moses. So you need to have a spirit like Moses. Moses was afraid of God too. But then Moses learned, it's worth it. And I will do whatever I have to do to climb that mountain to be with God. He became insatiable in his desire to know God. The first time he met God was at a burning bush. And he was scared and afraid of God too. He didn't know what God was like. God said, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. But God calls us to holy ground. And Moses says, I can't do what you're asking of me, God. But God says, yes, you can because I'll be with you and I will empower you. And so Moses 
just started simple obedience to God and he delivered millions of people out of the hands of slavery. And he's leading them through the, the wilderness. And then Moses, it's like, he begins, you can tell, you can, his confidence begins to rise. He's like when he gets to the Red Sea, all the people are whining and crying, let's go back, why'd you bring us out here, Moses? He's like, shut up. Watch what God's going to do. He stuck that staff in the Red Sea and it parted. He began to build a confidence in the Lord his God, just like Jacob's beginning to build a confidence in the Lord his God. Then he wants to see God face to face. And he does. I don't know if it was a pre-incarnate form of Jesus, because it says that no man can, you know, has ever seen God at any time. I mean, I believe that means that in, in the fullness of his glory, in, in our human bodies, we couldn't stand to see God in all of his glory. But Moses had seen God face to face. He said he talked with God face to face. But then Moses says, God, I, I want to go deeper still. I want to see you in your glory. God's like, Moses. Okay. And he hid him in, in the cleft of a rock on the mountain. And he covered him with his hands. He said, Moses, you can't stand to see all of my glory right now. But I'll show you my hinder parts. And he held, he held a hand up and he let, and just as his glory went by, Moses and it says the glory was so much that when Moses came down off the mountain, his face glowed. They had to put a veil over Moses' face because the people couldn't see it, because couldn't look at him because he had so much glory of God. And if that's Old Testament, the Bible says, well, how much more of the glory of God are we supposed to have in the New Testament? Man, I'm telling you what. God will give you as much as you can stand. And if you cry out to go deeper still, God will give you more of his glory. I've seen it happen. I've seen people cry out, God, bring me to my knees in the glory and the power of God fall in a service or in a prayer time and people fall to their knees. People used to fall out in the spirit and people thought it wasn't real. I experienced it. It can be real. God is real. He will give you what you are seeking after, especially when you're delving deeper into the things of God. Solomon. God said, what can I do for you, Solomon? I'll give you anything you ask. Solomon says, give me wisdom to lead your people. God said, that's good, Solomon. You're thinking about other people. You could ask for a long life or riches, but because you asked for wisdom to lead my people, I'm going to give you all three. And so he blessed Solomon. He was so excited that somebody was seeing beyond themselves. But I think God's even more excited about what the Apostle Paul said. Apostle Paul didn't just want the wisdom. He wanted to know the one who gives the wisdom. In Philippians 3.8, it says, yes, Paul says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And see, Paul had everything. Everything that this world offers. He had prestige. He was a Pharisee. He had schooling. He, he, he had to be rich to get to that point. He had honor. He had everything that we think we need. And he says, hey, it's all worthless comparing when compared to knowing Christ. And he says, for his sake... I have discarded everything else. 
counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. See, Paul got it. Paul got it. And that's why he, he said, my, my job here is to, to present you perfect in your relationship with Christ. See, the Bible's not making any bones about it. God wants to know you. And beyond that, he wants you to know him. And this is a real deal thing. This example right there. Example right here. Probably examples sitting next to you. Those crazy happy Jesus people. Wouldn't want to be one of them. No, I want to mope and complain about my life. No, I want to know the risen Savior, Jesus himself. And I want to have a personal relationship. I don't just want one toe in the water. I want to jump in with both feet. I want to go under. I want to go deeper, deeper, and deeper still. Never be satisfied with a golden egg when you can have the goose. A.W. Tozer, he was a great man of God. He was well respected and still is today because of his deep desire to truly know God. God was his major pursuit. Not just a bunch of theology and what's, you know, what's going to happen here and what the Bible says about this, but to know the one who wrote the scriptures. And he says the man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. He said many ordinary treasures may be denied him, these earthly treasures. Or if he's allowed to have them, the enjoyment of them will be so tempered that they will never be necessary for his happiness. And that's the way I feel. I, I could, now that I know Jesus, I could give or take these other things. I don't, they're not a necessity to my happiness. He says if you must see them go one after one, you scarcely feel a sense of loss. For having the source of all things in one, all satisfaction, all pleasure, all delight. He says, whatever we may lose, he has actually lost nothing. For now, has it all in one. And he has it purely, legitimately, and forever. Sounds like a man who has found the pearl of a great price. You search high and low. You, you've read all those books and been to those seminars of what's going to make you complete as a person. You've looked for love in all the wrong places. You've, you've found that man or that woman that completes you, but they don't. You've looked all over the world for this pearl of a great price, and he's right here. He can be right here. Christianity... It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else is born out of that relationship. Everything. Anything good that you do, you can do nothing apart from Him and from knowing Him. You say, well, I don't have the, I don't have the desire to do this or do that good thing. Don't work it up in your own strength. Go to the source. Get to know him. He will give you the desires of your heart. See, we're missing the light still. That's why I'm, 
I'm, I continued last week's service into this week. Because if we don't get the main thing, we don't get all the rest. This is the main thing. Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life that you want. You too could be one of those happy Christians. You know, when I was growing up as a teenager, I had two best friends. And each one of them sat on my shoulder like you see in the commercials. One was like a little angel and one was like a little devil. Speaking in my ear. My friend Hal, he was like the little devil. Yeah, boy, if there was trouble to get into, he was going to be the first one. And he was going to be pulling me with him. And we got into some trouble, believe me. But on the other hand, I had a friend named Mark. And he was raised from a good moral family. They had a nicer house than we. They had some finances that we didn't have. And he had a good upbringing. Now Mark was trying to bring me out of trouble. He was trying to calm me down. I was like his little devil on his shoulder, <laughs> pulling him towards Hal, you know. But I had these two friends. And then when I got married, and I got saved and stuff, and we kind of drifted and went our different ways. Uh, Mark, he moved off to Florida. And Hal's living over in Bahia. And uh, what about five or six years ago, I guess, maybe not that long ago, heard from Hal, hadn't talked to him in a long time. Hal has got saved. And you know, I've been praying for my buddy, so this really excited me. And Hal got saved, and he is on fire. He's telling everybody about Jesus. Me and him sat and just talked Jesus for an hour in my truck one night. You know, just, just excited together, and he really gets it. And it's awesome. And so I continue to pray for Mark every now and then when I think about him. Hadn't talked to him probably in 10 years. The last time I saw him was at some wedding or something 10 years ago. And I tried to talk to him about Jesus then. And he listened. But you could tell he was just going in one ear and out the other, you know. He, I don't really need Jesus, you know. You know, I've got a nice house. And I'm married to a beautiful wife. And I have a young son and everything's going well for me I'm he's uh, a golf pro at a golf course down there in Florida I mean he's got it going on that, and he loves golf so he's got his dream job doesn't really need Jesus that's 10 years ago this week and I kid you not I showed Angie on Facebook I was on there I don't know why but I got on there and I saw this video pop up from four years ago. You know how it sends stuff back to you? And I guess I'd missed it the first time around. Four years ago, it said this video came out, and it was a video with my friend Mark at his church in Florida. Now, I guess when he, you know, he, he, they had their boy, whatever, the boy's probably 10, I guess maybe they got into church, probably for his sake, like Jacob said, you know, for his sake. But the video was shot by his church, and it began to tell a story. And had Mark talking on there, had some paramedics talking on there, had different people, and it was a, a promo for the church. And, the, and it said that Mark had went to one of his son's basketball games and passed out and had a heart attack and lay on the floor dead for six minutes with no heartbeat until the ambulance got there for six minutes. Paramedics talking on the video saying, yeah, he was gone. This is a miracle. 
because they put the paddles on him and shocked him back to life. Now Pentagoni's talking, Mark Pentagoni's talking a little different than he did before. At the end of the video, he's encouraging us that God is real. Now you know what? Somebody say, well, God would really let something terrible like that happen to you? God does wake-up calls. And God's wake-up calls are better than waking up in hell. God waked him up from after six minutes. He waked him up. I like talking in crazy English. It makes things interesting. He waked him right on up. And God will, will do that if he has to to get your attention. Ephesians 3.17 says Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down deep into God's love. And that's what will keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep His love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to understand fully on this side of heaven. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And you can be a little happy Jesus person. You can be an overcomer. You know, Jesus just kept going deeper for us. It was enough that he created us and gave us life. But then he gave us a garden. He provided for us. He became one of us. That was going deeper. When you come down off your throne in heaven to be born in a manger for us and to live in this sin-filled world that we live in and through these temptations and these trials and these tribulations that we go through, our God became one of us. That's a big deal. He went deeper. Look at your neighbor and say, he went deeper. He walked it out with us. He healed us. He set the example of how we're to love one another, and, and what did he do? He showed us the greatest love that we, we, if we think about it, it is still astounds me that greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. God died for his own people. Every other religion is like, you're supposed to die for him. But that ain't the God that we serve. We serve a God that died for us. Our God is love. He loved us. He paid for our sins. He keeps going deeper. He raised us to new life and gave us a new covenant and pulled us in closer. He came into our hearts to live and dwell with us through this life, through his Holy Spirit. How much deeper could you go than in your very own heart? Could he go any deeper? Well, you could ask the question, could the universe get any bigger? Scientists believe that the universe is still expanding. Because God said, let there be light, and he ne never said, oh, that's good enough. God goes deeper still. And it says in 1 Corinthians 2.9 that eye has not seen, 
nor ear heard, neither entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. It's going to go deeper. He's in you now. But what is it going to be when we see him face to face too? Them happy Jesus people. Hallelujah. We win. And we're going to keep winning. And it's going to go deeper and deeper and deeper still. <laughs> Man. I don't want to live according to the world according to Gark no more. I don't want to live the world according to Guy ever again. Because I wasn't too deep, you see. <laughs> I thought it was about pleasing me. But I didn't know it was better to give than receive. I wanted to please me. But Jesus was good to me anyway. You know, I ran from Jesus. But he ran after me. <laughs> I denied him. But he didn't deny me. When I came to the end of myself, there he was. All those bridges that I thought I had burned, he crossed them anyway. <laughs> When I would have gladly settled to be his slave, when I come over that hill thinking, oh, God, I'm sorry, Lord, I've sinned against you. I've done this, and, and I'll be your slave. He said, bring the robe of righteousness and put it back on his shoulders. Put the feet, back, the shoes back on his feet to signify his purpose. Put the signet ring back on his hand. It says he's my son. He has authority. Kill the fatted calf and let's party. Let's get this Jesus party going, these happy people. It says the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who finds out that Jesus is real. And that his love is for you. <laughs> you stop playing games. He's the father that's been waiting on you the whole time, looking over the hill for you to come home. So he can run and embrace you and hug you and kiss you and love you. I don't know about you guys, but I found that God's love is deeper than I've ever known before today. Tomorrow I'll find it out again. That it's deeper than I can ever seem to delve. When I think this must be the limit, it's deeper still. It just keeps getting gooder and gooder. And I want to ask you a question, a real question, legitimate now, to you personally. What in this world, and I mean that literally, what in this world would keep you from, from giving in to a love like that? Going deeper with a love that's deeper still. I asked some people to bring me some teddy bears. Thank you, Holly. Come up here, Jacob.
Stand right here and face the people. Here's your teddy bear. This teddy bear represents Jacob's heart. That's what he knows about love. That's what he's trying to love his family with. That's what he's trying to love his fellow man with. And Jesus comes along. He said, Jacob, give me your heart. And Jacob says, no, no. I'm holding on to my heart. My heart's been broken before. I'm not trusting anybody with it. This is what I know, and this is what I'm holding on to. But Jesus comes again and says, Jacob, give me your heart. And he's not sure. And that's where you are. Some of you are here today. You're like, is this true? Can I be a happy Jesus person? And Jesus keeps coming to you. Give me your heart. Now he's got a big heart. Now he's got a bigger heart to love his wife with. Woohoo! <laughs> to love his children with. To love us with. And one day he'll say, God, I, I need a bigger heart so, so I, can, I can pump more love. And God will have a bigger heart to give him. And he'll keep giving him the bigger heart that he needs, that he's, that he's ready for. He'll give you deeper still. Amen? Give him a round of applause. Can I get the praise team to come up here? C.S. Lewis says there are far, far better things ahead than we could ever leave behind. Whatever you're scared of giving up for Jesus, look. You say, I can't do it. I'm addicted. I can't. I want to, but I can't let go. I can't. Yes, you can. You can in your own strength, but you can in Jesus. Turn it over to him. I've asked them, they were going to play this song earlier, but I said, save this for the end, because this really is where we need to go. And I'm going to stand over here, and I'm going to ask people, if you need Jesus as Lord of your life, and you don't know him as your personal Savior, you come over here and talk to me. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.